Yay, yay! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Petropolis, here with the only two twins that are about to drop that heat for week eight. Michael and Jason, what's up, guys? That good old knowledge is coming. Oh, it's hot in here. So if you guys notice, we are actually over the phone today. We are actually transferring studios, which is an exciting development but uh in the meantime we might have to be over the phone for this so please bear with us we're still bringing that fantasy knowledge even if we're over the phone true that true that always so let's begin with that fantasy pot uh fantasy knowledge excuse me the proto fantasy podcast begins Guys, I got to tell you, I, I have been uh, flexing like crazy on Instagram this year. I've been, I've been calling it, it Victory Tuesdays. My teams before last week at worst were 4-2. I had one 4-2 team. Everyone else was 6-0 and or 5-1. and And then last week, I got the dreaded 0-6 in all the leagues that I was caring about. That's really yeah. bad. Mostly because Sony Michelle was on almost every single roster. Who gave you two L's, though? Jason gave me two L's. This is the if, – if, now if you guys are listening, fucking Michael and Jason both beat me in both leagues where we're both playing each other at the same time. And you know what's the worst part? Jason won on a fucking uh, – what's the, what's the guy's name? The, the, the backup kicker for the Falcons, Gavin. Hey, Giorgio Tavecchio. There he goes. Like some, some kind of Italian hitman name. Fucking Italian hitman the shit out of me at, in the Monday night game. And I lost from the fucking kicker. I, I mean, had OBJ, too. It would have been Jason, better if OBJ beat you with that last second touchdown. And, Tim, Jason is the one who always says no kickers in the league. So you can blame yourself for this one. It's true. You know what? I hate when you're right, but you're right. <laughs> All right, but let's get started right away with week eight. Before we get into any of the games, big trade this week. I just want to talk about that trade. Amari Cooper goes from the Raiders to the Cowboys for a first-round pick. Now, we can talk about that first-round pick uh, all we want and whether it was a good trade or not. But we're a fantasy show. We're not a regular football show uh, at Veterans Minimum for a regular football show. Cheap plug. Um, But let's talk about it fantasy-wise. Amari Cooper, uh, he's been up and down this year. For the most part, the last three years, he's been a bust. So, I mean, we've we've not been fans of him as well. So... Does Amari Cooper's value improve, go down, or stay the same with his addition to the Cowboys? Uh, let's start with you, Michael. Uh, so I, yeah, as everyone knows, we are not Amari Cooper guys. He's not going to a great passing offense, and he has to learn a whole playbook starting in week eight. At least he has to buy a week to study up, but I tweeted the best part about Amari Cooper going straight on a buy is that fantasy owners don't have to start him this week either. So that's how I feel about Amari Cooper. He's he's whatever. Jason? Yeah, I'm, I'm just not buying into it. I think that even if he sees the same amount of volume that he's been seeing with the uh, Raiders, his production should go up a little bit, but not enough to make him a viable wide receiver too that everyone wants him to be so badly. I, I think his value goes up here. Um, I don't think that it's a giant value shift, but you got to think he's going to get the lion's share of targets in Dallas. He's going to have a better quarterback throwing to him, although David Carr, some people might say he's better than Dak. I think Dak is better personally. Derek Carr. 
Derek Archer. First and then, of the day. <laughs> and then, I don't know. I just, I just, I like his opportunity in Dallas because he's filling a need that they clearly need. So he might get more work, even more opportunity than he got in Oakland, where he was kind of. I don't want to say taken for granted because that is that implies that he was good, but I guess taken for granted in a sort of way where they didn't feed him as much as they probably should have. Yeah, he probably has a better outlook on Dallas than on Oakland, but I'm not excited about it, whether he stayed or left. All right, so let's go to our first game, the Thursday night game. The Miami Dolphins take on the Houston Texans. Tim, uh, Tim, Tim. What's up? Talking trades, Carlos Hyde, bro. We haven't got to get – you know what? That's It was before Sunday, it seems like – Forever ago, it's true. It's but true. Let, so let's talk about let's talk about it. Carlos Hyde uh, over to the Jaguars, which we could talk about Carlos Hyde, but the real star of this trade is Nick Chubb. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I saw a bunch of people on Twitter, and it was my bottom three, including Matthew Berry, calling Carlos Hyde a low end RB one now in Jacksonville, and it's just mind boggling to me because one, he missed last game because he couldn't get acclimated with the offense fast enough. Two, he's going to split work with TJ Eldon this week. Three, he has a bye the following week. And then four, Leonard Fournette is still supposed to come back week 10. They just wanted Carlos Hyde for insurance because Fournette is injury prone. So I think Hyde's fantasy value is all but gone, really. And I I would be very upset if I was a Hyde owner. Jason? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with Michael here. I mean, it's just not a good spot for Carlos Hyde considering all the factors. The Jaguars have made it clear that they didn't get him because Fournette's going to be a surprise IR person. They got him in case Fournette gets hurt again in for insurance because they don't trust Yeldon as their only running back. So Hyde basically just becomes a handcuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm inclined to agree with that. I don't see I don't see Hyde having, having any value. In terms of Nick Chubb, though, Here's a guy that if he was on my waiver wire, and we we mentioned this on Twitter, at Broto Fantasy, um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, because there is things that happen. We, we're right now, it's 8.24 on, the, on New York on Wednesday night, and we have one weekly show, and a lot can change between Wednesday and Sunday. Exhibit A being Carlos Hyde goes from a <laughs> fringe running back one, running back two on Friday to trade to the Jacksonville Jaguars on Saturday. And we can't update you on that. So follow the Twitter if you want updates on that. And I think Nick Chubb is RB2 rest of season at this point because he's going to get the work in Cleveland. RB2 is a – I mean, yeah, that's being safe. There's even running back one upside. Carlos Hyde was getting the volume. He just wasn't efficient with it. He could have been a lot better. And if Chubb shows that he's a better running back than Carlos Hyde at this point, which Cleveland obviously believes, then there's definitely room for improvement upon Carlos Hyde's numbers, which left him as a high-end running back too. So there's a lot to like for Nick Chubb here. There's a reason why we tweeted about seven times in 20 minutes to grab Nick Chubb. Yeah, I'm with Jason on this one because uh, he he stepped in and basically got all the work. Duke Johnson's role stayed the same, which is minimal in that offense despite the contract that he got over the offseason. So it's hopefully he gets more involved in the passing game. That might not happen, which makes him a little more touchdown dependent than you might like. But he should definitely be 
right in the RB2 mix, maybe low-end RB1, depending on his uh, his efficiency. All right, so with that being said, there was one other trade. Eli Apple goes to the Saints, which means still start your wide receivers against the Saints. Um, let's begin with the Dolphins. They are going to, te- uh, to Texas to take on the Texans. Uh, I, get, I get the name now. They're in Texas. Oh. Anyway, um, the Dolphins. Let's go over their fantasy outlook. Let's start with someone who is not going to be playing anymore. One person that was getting a lot of people excited, Albert Wilson. Uh, reports have him going on the IR, which means he will not be eligible to come back to Week 16. Tough break for uh, a guy that looked like he was breaking out. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> Albert Wilson has always been a guy who just didn't get enough work but showed that he has talent. So it's very unfortunate for him here. But he's headed to the IR. Kenny Stills is injured as well. And Adam Gase's endorsement of Devontae Parker was, well, we have no one else. So, yeah, he's going to play. So that's not a great endorsement there. So the guys I'm looking at, two people I'm pretty high on this week, actually, are Danny Amendola and Jakeem Grant. Call me crazy, but the Brock Lobster has been (laughs) good the last two weeks for uh, Miami. The Miami quarterbacks in general have been efficient this season on limited attempts and you enjoy efficiency when there's only a small amount of people getting targets and that's going to be Amendola and Grant. Amendola I like more. I like him as a wide receiver three this week. I have him ranked in that range. He has 18 targets and 14 catches in two games with Brock Osweiler. Uh, So both good to make him a top 36 wide receiver in those two weeks. So I don't think that should change here with more targets that should be going his way. And then Jakeem Grant has shown his upside when given chances, similar to Albert Wilson, where he's made big plays on limited opportunities. So I think that if Amendola's target count from nine per game because of this goes up to 11 or 12 and the Jakeem Grant goes up to like seven or eight, you could be seeing a wide receiver, a strong wide receiver three and a pretty strong flex play as well. Speaking of guys that are talented that Adam Gase just doesn't want to play. Kenyon Drake actually had a good game last week. Uh, six for 72 and one touchdown. Michael, is Kenyon Drake someone that, you know, you drafted him high if you drafted him. You got him in like the fifth, sixth round if you were lucky. Fourth. Yeah, yeah, sixth round. Like if you're really lucky, you dropped to the sixth. But you're getting him around. You got him around the fifth. Um, is Kenyon Drake a guy that's playable? So, Kenyon Drake going against Houston, it seems like a tough matchup. Uh, Houston's yet to allow a 100-yard rusher. But with the injuries to Stills and Albert Wilson, I like Kenyon Drake as a low-end RB2 this week for mainly his pass-catching abilities. He's coming off three games with 11 targets, six, and then eight, respectively. So, he's clearly becoming a key cog in their passing offense. And uh, I would not be surprised to see Drake reach 10 targets again tomorrow. And maybe even share the field of Frank Gore at times, get both of them out there since they're so hobbled at the receiver position. So we're looking at a guy who I think has a floor of 15 touches tomorrow. So I actually like Drake this week. Jason? Oh, yeah, I I completely agree. I think that looking at the running backs this week, there are a lot that aren't that pretty. And then there are a lot that just don't have matchups that suit them very well. So I have Kenny on Drake high. I have him at 14. I think that. A running back who's going to see 10 targets. Me and Michael both agree that he's going to be very involved in the passing game, along with, let's say, eight rushes. I mean, the last two weeks, he's been very good. He's put up 20 points and 15 points. And so as long as he continues to stay involved, he makes plays. So I think he has a case for a running back to finish this week. 
Are you at all considering Frank Gore? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> Touchdown-dependent touch flex play at best, basically, every week for Franklin. All right, so... No, I just said Franklin. That's right. I mean, he's old, man. If you're that old, you got to be called formally by your name. Franklin. <laughs> that was funny. Frank Gore is like a year older than me. Not like, <laughs> like four years older than you. Old, yeah, man. Come on. You're not that old. Oh, yeah. Frank Gore's like 34. Yeah, dude. He's changing the game. Yeah, he is. He's five years older than me. Jeez, you're right. He's old. He is an old man. <laughs> I hope no one calls me an old man when I'm 35. Um, you're already old. <laughs> um, are you considering streaming Brock Osweiler this week? Absolutely not. I honestly believe the Houston defense is going to get 20 points tomorrow. They're my number one ranked defense. Uh, Adam Gase, since he took over in uh, Miami, his two Thursday night games, he's 0-2, and the record, the, the scores combined, the Dolphins have lost 62-7. to So I don't think that really changes this week. I think it's going to be a bit of a blowout, which is why I like Drake and only Drake on that side of the field. I think Houston's defense is going to dominate. Any love from Mike Gusecki? He had the second most targets on the team. It was only three for 44, but he's been getting more and more involved each week. Not yet. Someone to keep an eye on that. Yeah, you could, but I said repeatedly over the course of the offseason that Rookie tight ends are not someone you want to bank on, and that's proven to be true over time and time again. So, oh, patch you back and stuff in the back, why don't you? Um, <laughs> let's move on to the Texans side. Um, yo, guys, call me crazy, but Lamar, crazy. Miller, Lamar Miller, 22, 22 carries for 100 yards and a touchdown. He finally had some production, and not for nothing. Revenge game? This is a team that. Don't forget, before Kenyon Drake was Kenyon Drake, Lamar Miller was Kenyon Drake, where he was clearly the most talented back in that backfield, the most explosive black back, but they refused to give him the carries that he deserved. And it's kind of the same Kendrick Jake, I mean, uh, Kenyon Drake situation. He goes to Houston, and he's had a, he's had a few good years where he, he has basically proven that he could be the workhorse back. So I think that Lamar Miller, without with, with running the risk of it looking like I'm chasing points, I think Lamar Miller – in his revenge game, is something that I'm interested in. So I do agree. My yeah, go ahead, Jay. <laughs> you, sound, you sound angry. Go for it. I was going to say, Tim, as much as I hate to say it, I actually think Lamar Miller is a solid RB2 this week going yeah, against man. Miami. I'm going to pass it to Jason out here, though, because he has Lamar Miller as his 16th running back. So I want to hear that's a lot of a lot more love than I have him as. So. You know why? Because... He basically has phased Alfred Blue out of the backfield, so he's back to being the workhorse that we drafted him as. He's a safe RB2. Uh, and like you said, what do you expect this game to be? You expect it to be a game in Houston's favor, which means Lamar Miller would get a lot of work. So I just think that looking at the running backs this week, Lamar Miller is a safe play, and I think you could actually count on him as a workhorse again getting a solid amount of points. Miami is bottom five in rushing points allowed and also receiving points allowed to running backs. And if you're getting one guy who's doing it all against them, that's a great spot to be in. Yeah, also I think it also uh, goes back to Deshaun Watson's injury from week uh, five. The last two weeks, they've been rushing the ball a lot more. Lamar Miller had 15 carries and 22 carries. Uh, plus Miami just gave up 200 plus over 200 rushing yards to carry on Johnson and the Lions. 
And Deshaun Watson has failed to reach 200 passing yards the last two weeks dealing with this injury. So they're becoming a more unheavy team. And against the Lions, excuse me, against the uh, Dolphins, who are bad against the run, uh, it looks like Lamar Miller is in line for a solid game. Speaking of Deshaun Watson, he had to travel by bus to the last game that they had. 15 hours on bus because the team was scared for his for his lung injury that he would run the risk of having serious problems if he went in the air. Now, that's a serious injury. Like, you, if you can't fly, it's a pretty serious injury. 12 for 24, 139 yards and a touchdown. Seven carries for 13 yards. So, you're, even his legs where you're banking on weren't there last game. Now, they were in control most of the game last game. Jacksonville looked completely lost on offense. Um, but with that being said, Deshaun Watson, is he a startable QB this week? I have him as my quarterback 15. I think that everything that has been said shows why he shouldn't be started. His legs are what's always been giving him a floor. And playing with an injury, he's uh, not been productive on the ground recently. And when he's not being productive on the ground, and when you're facing a pass defense like Miami, who's been actually been pretty good, I don't think there's much to like for Deshaun Watson. But on a short week, too. It was only last week when he was taking a bus to the game. Yeah, I have Watson as my quarterback 11 low end just because of Adam Gase's tenure again. In uh, the Thursday night games for Miami have been really awful, and I don't like Miami at all this week. So I think Deshaun Watson will have some red zone opportunities, which is why I have him as my quarterback 11. But I wouldn't be against going somewhere else with uh, someone like Jameis Winston, for example. In uh, the passing options, Kiki Kuti has already been ruled out uh, for week eight, which Will Fuller, uh, before Kuti got involved in that lineup, his fantasy points looked like this, 22.3 in half-point PPR, by the way, 20 points, 13 points. Then all of a sudden, Kuti got involved, 2.5, 4.3 points, only three targets and three targets in, either, in both of those games, respectively. Then Kuti goes out. And Will Fuller gets a little more love. Eight targets, six receptions. Uh, is this Will Fuller's return with Kiki Kuti not in the lineup? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I have him as a low-end wide receiver, too, just because I don't know if there'll be a lot of opportunity for him this week and what I expect to be a Houston blowout. But with Xavier Howard more than likely shadowing DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Will Fuller should have a chance to break out a long one, which he always is a threat four and uh i think it's a good shot that it happens tomorrow night uh anyone else in this game you guys want to talk about i mean deandre deshaun watson deandre hopkins i mean you are starting him for sure yeah for sure yeah anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game i'm good yeah i'm good here all right let's start houston defense though start houston defense all right so let's talk about the miami defense is even sneaky yeah the Houston defense has had double digits in three of the last four games, a game that wasn't double digits. Over Houston. Seven points. So the Houston defense has been really good the past four weeks. All right, let's go to the next matchup. Philadelphia Eagles at Jacksonville. Jaguars that start with the road team. The Eagles. Um, let's go ahead straight to that backfield. Uh, Wendell Smallwood outcarried Corey Clement for the second straight game. Nine to eight. Corey Clement was wildly ineffective in his attempts. Eight rushes for six yards. Uh, one of the bigger busts of the week was Corey Clement. Uh, 
I'm not going to pat myself on the back, but just saying, Wendell Smallwood was uh, my favorite in this backfield going into this. Now, Corey Clement is probably still a goal line back, but he's probably touched on the pendant. How are you guys feeling about this backfield against the Jaguars team that all of a sudden you can run on? You know, congrats, Tim. 37 yards from Wendell Smallwood. A whole 37 yards. Look, I'm not, I'm not flexing about this 37 yards. I'm flexing about the 11 touches. It's a good thing you're patting yourself on the back because no one else is going to. Ooh. <laughs> I don't yeah, think this proves anything. I think Corey Clement is still the guy you want to own in this backfield, and you hope that it shakes out in a way where Clement's the guy to own. But the sad reality is it's probably no one. It's a full-blown committee. Even Josh Adams had four touches. And so Josh Grohl will be back one, one day soon. But if I had to choose one this week, I'm sticking to Clement. Because in this backfield, you're going to want the guy who's going to score a touchdown or catch some passes. And I think Clement is the guy who's more likely to do both of those. I'm sticking with Clement as well. Uh, yeah, against the running backs out of the backfield, Jacksonville has been absolutely good. They have really fast linebackers. So a guy like Wendell Smallwood, who's not the most talented guy, is probably not going to have a lot of success against his Jacksonville defense. But um, So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to stay away from both those guys against Jacksonville. Who needs, who needs a comeback game? They need a comeback game. This might be their, their get-right game. But it's going to be a tough one because Carson Wentz, looking like he's getting back in his Carson Wentz form, 30 for 37, 310 last game against the Jaguars defense that is all of a sudden super beatable. Um, they've given up over 300 yards in their last few games. Uh, how do you guys feel about Carson Wentz where in the past it was like sit your quarterbacks against the Jaguars, but how do you feel about Carson Wentz this week? I think that he's a back-end quarterback one play. I think he's been playing good enough to consider, but I do think that the hype about the Jaguars defense not being as good is a little overblown. They're still top five in basically every uh, quarterback category, and if you look at what Deshaun Watson did last week, the answer is nothing. If you look at what Dak Prescott did two weeks ago, the answer is run the ball. So I don't think that spells well for opposing quarterbacks. So even though the Jaguars' defense might on paper seem like it's been more vulnerable to the past, I don't think that's really been the case too much. So uh, Carson Wentz is good enough to have a back-end quarterback one game against um, Jacksonville, but I have been ranked 14th. I think that there's better options out there. Yeah, I'm with Jason here. Uh, more of a higher-ish and QB2, but I wouldn't want to trust him against Jacksonville as my starting quarterback in one QB leagues. Uh, one thing that Jacksonville has not been great at is stopping the tight end, and that bodes very well for a guy that just keeps on getting target after target after target. That's how many target. Guess where on the list of catches Zach Ertz is? All just players. In all general, players. not just tight ends? Like fourth. Second, beyond Adam Thielen. That's right. That's right, Zach Ertz, baby. Gotta love that guy. I drafted him in the San Diego Studio Leagues with my, the first pick in the fourth round, and everyone made fun of me. Who's laughing now, huh? I didn't make fun of you. I love Zach Ertz. Yeah, me neither. Except you guys. But yeah, uh, obviously, if you have Ertz, Start him. There's that's a no brainer there. Also, Alshon Jeffrey, he is going to be going up against Ramsey and Boye, which does not bode super well for his fantasy outlook. But he has looked pretty damn great since coming back from his injury. I think it was very smart of the Eagles to let him heal all the way through before coming back. So if someone's going to find the end zone, 
and it's not Ertz, it's probably Jeffrey. So I still think he's a he's more of a high end wide receiver three, low end wide receiver two. But I still definitely think he's startable. See, I don't see that. I think Alshon Jeffrey, you start him because he's Alshon Jeffrey. But I'm not expecting big things out of him this week. I think this is the type of guy that Jalen Ramsey eats up. Yeah, I don't know about that. He's, he has a touchdown a game. That's what he's averaging, one touchdown per game. So when you're when you're going up against a tough opponent, you want someone who's scoring touchdowns. And I don't know about Jeffrey eating up – I mean, Ramsey eating up people like Jeffrey. Jeffrey's pretty uh, – what's it called? What's the word? Physical. And Jalen Ramsey likes to attack people at the line. Yeah, he's also a giant. So it's not going to be easy for Jalen Ramsey to stuff him at the line and keep him tame. So that's what he does, though. Big boy. He's a big boy. He likes to stuff people. He likes to – Nice to get physical, and so does Alshon Jeffrey. So it's, we'll see. It's going to be uh, one very good player against another very good player in a matchup uh, that I'm going to be very excited to see. That's for sure. Um, sure. What, what about um, Dallas Goddard? He caught a touchdown last week. You are you considering him and Nelson Aguilar is the other guy who would be fantasy relevant? I, I'm going to pat myself on the back now for Dallas Goddard because. For real. He was my dart throw of the week last week. I said, you know, sometimes you just don't have to have a reason, and I didn't. I guaranteed a touchdown. He came out with 40 yards and a touchdown, a top 12 uh, tight end last week. So if you ended up listening to me, which I highly doubt you did, congrats. But, yeah, I'm not starting him this week. Maybe in two tight end leagues if he's going to continue to stay involved. But, I mean, you can't trust him in one tight end leagues. I think the interesting guy here is Aguilar. Uh, it seems like you should stay away from him in this matchup, and I likely would. But it might be in the Eagles' favor to use his short routes, like kind of like the Cowboys did with Cole Beasley to attack Jacksonville. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities where Aguilar has a good game. Yeah, we we have Nelson Aguilar in flex-ish area, so something to keep an eye on. Anyone else in this game you guys want to talk about? I went in on the Eagles, excuse me. No. All right, so it was the Jaguars then. Um, it seems like a couple of weeks ago you were excited about TJ Yeldon, Keelan Cole, D.D. Westbrook was emerging. Uh, Dante Mockery was getting looks. Blake Bortles was killing the Patriots. And now, like, is there anyone on the Jaguars that you're even excited about starting in this game against the Eagles? Not really. Blake Bortles is officially sitting on a stove, fellas. You get it? Hot seat. Boom, boom. Yeah. So, I mean, and who knows how he's going to respond to this because he's never really had to deal with it. He even got paid as a supposed-to-be franchise quarterback, but it clearly has not worked out like that for Jacksonville. I would not be trusting him in anything more than two QB leagues, but I'm basically stop trying my hardest to stay away from every single Jacksonville Jaguar this week. Uh, I don't think that you can trust anyone either. Uh, if you're going to go for the receivers, I think that the best route to go is Moncrief or Cole. I think that the Eagles have been beat on the boundaries this year. So if anyone's going to do something, it's going to be them, not D.D. Westbrook. Call me crazy. I Even though I wouldn't really start these people, I don't think it would be out of the realm of possibilities for Blake Bortles to have one of his games where he puts up 25 points. Uh, I mean, the Eagles, have, the Eagles have given up a lot of points to the wide receivers in fantasy, and they've given up a lot of points to the quarterback as a result. Yeah, he averages around 20 points per game in London games, and 
I mean, he always does it when we least expect it. I mean, that's true. He's, Blake Bortles is one of those guys who loves his back against the wall, places his back right against the wall most of the time, but loves his back against the wall. Um, we already touched on Carlos Hyde earlier in the show. Is there anyone else you guys want to talk about in this matchup? Nope. Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't want to start either of those guys. I prefer Hyde slightly just because he'll probably be the goal line back, but I don't want to touch either of them. I'd stick to Yeldon. Ooh, feisty. Let's make a bet, bro. There you Let's go. Do it. Do it. Bet. do it. Do it. Right in there. All right. Update um, on a bet last week, by the way. So, Tim won, but I want to mention how close it was. Andrew Luck ended up being the quarterback four, but he was only two points away from being the quarterback 13. Damn, word. <laughs> yeah. uh, close quarterbacks last week. I started Andy Dalton, who got me eight points. So, I, yeah, there you go. That's one of the reasons why I lost. I put so much stock on Bengals last week. Jesus Christ. But you know what I forgot, and I'll mention later? Andy Dalton sucks in primetime. We're going to talk about just how bad he sucks a little later. But let's go on to the next matchup. The Ravens versus the Panthers. Let's start with the Ravens. At the Panthers. Yes, at the Panthers. Excuse me. Let's start with the road team, the Ravens. Um, Joe Flacco looked pretty damn good last week. Uh, led them on a charge back for a missed point. Uh, to Justin Tucker, real quick, are you, are you considering a Flacco flex if you've got a guy like Carson Wentz? No. Michael? Michael? So someone's having mic issues. But I'm Hello? Yeah, I'm back. Sorry about that. There he is. <laughs> Michael? No, the answer is absolutely no. Jason <laughs> knows me all too well. Oh, it's like you guys are twins or something. All right, let's go on to the ground game then. Alex Collins continues to be just like this enigma where – you want to start him because you know he has the ability to do 115 and two touchdowns in any single week, but most of the time he's getting 11 for 38 like he got last week. Um, the Panthers have been decent against the run. Are you starting either Alex Collins or Buck Allen this week? Um, I'm absolutely. Sorry, I'm hopping in because I'm absolutely, absolutely not. Not even a little bit. Um, I think the Panthers have allowed two touchdowns this season on the ground. That's it. So I think that this is a terrible spot for Alex Collins. And Buck Allen just hasn't been. He was pretty lucky in the beginning of the season scoring points, finding the end zone and catching passes. But you just can't trust either of these guys at this point. I mean, if you have to choose, you're going to go Collins. But I wouldn't trust either. Yeah, I'd rather have Collins, but he's definitely touchdown dependent. Uh, okay, so those, that backfield you're trying to avoid. Let's talk about the passing options. Uh, John Brown had himself a big game, seven receptions for 134 and a touchdown. Uh, this is a guy I've been telling you to start against the Panthers where uh, a guy like James Bradbury, which is our weekly reminder that ESPN once said to sit Julio Jones because he's facing Brad ba- uh, uh, James Bradbury. Uh, at One Brodo of my Fantasy. favorite parts of the show. At Brodo Fantasy, by the way, Fantasy, BrotoFantasy.com. I'm sorry, BrotoFantasy.com, there you go. But only if you like winning. Um, yeah, I don't even know where I'm going with that one. But John, John Brown. John Brown, yeah, how you feel about him this week? Uh, love me some John Brown. He consistently gets a bunch of targets. He's top five in the league in depth of target for his passes, which means he gets the ball downfield often when thrown to. And he just continues to have big weeks. Outside that one week where he only had two catches for 20 yards, Against the Saints, was it? Or not, excuse me, last week it was against the Saints. I forget which team, but 
outside of that one dud of a game, he's been super, super consistent. And uh, I think he's a great play again this week against Carolina. Jason? Uh, I'm going to disagree a little bit. I think he's a solid play, but I feel like he's disappointed in predictable spots and he's put up big numbers in predictable spots. Last week we knew he put up good numbers against the Saints who were bad against a long ball. But he hasn't surpassed eight and a half. He hasn't surpassed eight half PPR points in his last two away games. Um, Carolina has been generally above average in points allowed to wide receivers just as a whole, not necessarily stopping one type of wide receiver. So I wouldn't be surprised if John Brown has one of his lesser games this week. They are susceptible to long passes, though, which bodes well for John Brown. And then I'll just get this out of the way. Michael Crabtree, five catches, 60 yards. Let's call it a day. I mean, I don't think I don't think it's that simple, man. Michael Crabtree, ever since calling himself out, has been really good. Twelve targets for six catches, sixty-six yards. How's that good? What do you, Corey Davis? Corey Davis, all over. Let me speak, Jesus. Nine targets for six receptions for ninety-three yards and a receiving touchdown against Tennessee. And last week, five receptions for sixty-six yards, which he made a lot of good catches. If you're in a PPR league, he's putting up eleven points for you. I mean, it's not. It's not the question to say Michael Crabtree is a good start in a flex position or wide receiver, low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four type role. Look, that's not what we weren't saying. Uh, we agree in our rankings. We just think that it's pretty obvious what he's going to do. He's either going to put up five catches, 60 yards, and a touchdown, or five catches and 60 yards. You hope that he scores a touchdown. All right, I'll take that. Willie Sneed, whoever was playing him last week for the revenge game, sorry, he did not do well. Uh, you want to talk about Willie Sneed at all on this one? I just want to mention that we were people that weren't on the Willie Sneed bandwagon last week. I don't know why people were, to be honest. I mean, the, I mean, the revenge game. You get it. You understand why. No, most of the time, revenge game is huge garbage. Well, yeah, obviously, it's not a real stat or anything. It's just a motivation of sorts. And also, Carolina is sixth in DVOA against the slot receiver, so you probably want to stay away from him. Anyway, let's go over to the Panthers. Um, Cam Newton, that man is an absolute beast. Um, he went from having, like, zero points in the first three and a half quarters to ended up with, like, 23 points, of course. Uh, 25 for 39, 269 in the air with two touchdowns. He followed that up with seven carries for 49 yards. Um now, this Ravens defense is, across the board, number one in almost everything. What do you think about this matchup of Cam Newton against one of the better defenses? What I think is I don't care who Cam Newton is playing. He is a top quarterback. He's done it time and time again. Even, when he's, even if he struggles against Baltimore to throw touchdowns, he'll do it with his legs. All he needs is one rushing touchdown to put him into the back-end quarterback one territory. So if you have Cam Newton, you're starting him. I have him at three because there, he just does too much to not like him week in and week out. Michael has him at 10. I'm a little disappointed. Well, the Baltimore pass defense is – well, Baltimore defense in general is absolutely ridiculous. They're playing out of their minds this year. They're only averaging – they're only giving up 14.5 points per game, 14.4 to be exact. And they didn't allow a second-half touchdown – at all until last week. They literally went six weeks without giving up a second-half touchdown. They're only allowing 190 passing yards per game. Unless Cam Newton rushes for 100 yards, he's not ending as a top-eight quarterback. 
Uh, Christian McCaffrey. Listen, <sighs> I don't know what to do with Christian McCaffrey, guys. This is three straight weeks where he's kind of giving you a stinker. Um, so, what's the problem? Is it that he doesn't score touchdowns? Ooh. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's also that he's seven for twenty-nine on the ground, and the Panthers as a whole had ten non-quarterback rushes. If you look outside of his one giant game that he had, his efficiency is not good. It's similar to the poor play that he had last season. And he's been playing 100% of the snaps. On the ground or in the air? Both. Uh, Six six or 51 is pretty good. But the fact that he's not reaching like 10 targets Mm -hmm. or 10 rushes each game automatically is pretty worrisome. Because, I mean, he... If you get, like, he's basically getting the same amount of work as Tariq Cohen the last three weeks, and he's producing worse than Tariq Cohen. So, I mean, it's, it hasn't been great. I'm still ranking him pretty high this week just because uh, of his volume, usually, and I think they're going to need a big game out of him in order to beat Baltimore. So, I mean, not loving it. I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends as a running back, two this week, but... I mean, if you have him, you're more than likely playing him. Jimmy Smith, the cornerback for the Ravens, his 20-game not allowing – a 22-game, excuse me, uh, streak of not allowing a touchdown to a wide receiver he's guarding got uh, demolished last week by Mike Thomas. But then again, Mike Thomas demolishes a lot of people. Uh, what is the chances for Devin Funches and the rest of the passing options for the Panthers to start? Guys. Guys, wait before you pass the Jason alert. Alert. Jason has Devin Funches ranked higher than me this week. Uh oh. Not oh, possible. It is gracious. Go ahead, Jay. I just think that this game aligns with Devin Funches' skill set or lack thereof. <laughs> no, but really, uh, the, Pan- the Ravens, if you look at what they've done this season, they've limited yards to wide receivers, so they haven't scored too much. But they have been giving up some touchdowns to wide receivers. And if you look at what Devin Funches does, it's exactly that. He doesn't really get yards, but he catches touchdowns. So even though this is a bad matchup on paper, Baltimore is doing exactly what Devin Funches does. So I think that this is a matchup where Funches will do what he does. Yeah, uh, I think Funches is a solid wide receiver three this week. Despite the tough matchup, he hasn't seen less than seven targets since week one. He had 11 last week. He's clearly a huge part of the Carolina offense. So, I mean, he's still a solid wide receiver three in my eyes for this week. All right, uh, let's move on to the next game. Unless there's someone else you guys want to talk about in this game, Uh, maybe some Curtis Samuel. Nah, boy. Let's talk about DJ Moore, Tim. (laughs) <laughs> Man, this guy, yo, it, his talent is so obvious on the field. I think this is just one guy that I was a year early on. I think that he's going to be a steal of some drafts next year. Yeah, but, he's going he's gonna to be great, a la Corey Davis. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of DJ Moore, actually. He just needs he just needs more work. You're just a dick. That's a, that's I mean, a little bit, but who's not? <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next game. Broncos at Chiefs. Now, the Broncos... Put- Greg Olson, though. We skipped Greg Olson. Uh, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Not a great option. Uh, 
If you have him and you play him, don't expect more than like 10 points if he's able to find the end zone. But 10 points, you're being generous. If he's able to find the end zone, he'll score 10. I'm saying he's if not going to reach 40 yards. If he's able to find yards. the end zone, he'll score like 7. <laughs> so, of 10 yards. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he's not a great option. Uh, anyone, anything else you want to get in there last second, Michael? Interrupting me and shit. We have to Sorry, talk Smith. about every player. All right. Uh, let's go to the Broncos. Uh, versus the Chiefs. Let's start with the Broncos. Uh, they just laid a 45 burger on the Arizona Cardinals. That game was over from the very beginning. Somehow, 45 points, people probably woke up and were like, oh, shit, Case Keenum, we probably went in. Uh, he only completed 14 passes for 161 yards, a touchdown and an interception. So even when Case Keenum, even when the Broncos put up 45, Case Keenum is pretty, uh, you know, unspectacular. Oh, uh, is Case Keenum a guy that you're even considering starting at all? To be completely honest, we've spent too much time talking about Case Keenum. Okay, I agree with you. Yep, moving on. <laughs> uh, Philip Lindsay is probably going to get the horse load of the carries. Uh, horse load is not a, a horse guy. load. Nice. Uh, uh, the <laughs> of the carries now that Royce Freeman uh, is going to miss a couple weeks with an injury. Um, where is Philip Lindsay's ceiling, not only for this game, but while Royce Freeman is out? I love me some Philip Lindsay. We have him as our running back. Just a second here. Eight. Eight this week. Um, I don't see why that isn't possible for him with the, uh, excuse me, Royce Freeman expected to be out. The Chiefs are 30th overall in yards per carry allowed. They give up some passing work to the running back. So... It's all lined up for Philip Lindsay to have a monster game. The only thing that worries me is if the Chiefs start blowing out the Broncos early and Devontae Booker gets more work because for some reason they like to give him pass-catching work, which boggles my mind. But He's a very efficient pass-catcher, always has been. Lindsay would be more efficient as a pass-catcher. Lindsay got some work in the passing game last week, though, and he has double-digit points in every single half PPR game that he's not punched someone and got ejected. So I think that Lindsay has a safe floor and a high ceiling in this game. What about Devontae Booker? I know that for me, I had uh, in my in our money league in the in the main league that I, I do, I have Brita and I have Michelle. Michelle's probably not going to play. Brita's questionable, uh, probably not going to play. Um, if I'm desperate, I picked up Devontae Booker. Do you think he has a possibility of doing big things in this game? Uh, like Michael said, he's more of the passing down back. So you're going to have to rely on that. It's not something that you want to rely on too much. I think that I have him as a low-end flex play. You could take the chance, but it's not one that you want to take. Yeah, agreed. I would not be happy at all about starting Booker, but if you have to, you have to. Like you said, your running back injuries are trash. Well, I mean, well, Jay, I'm coming, I'm coming in from our main league now here, Jay, because it, once it's on air, you have to speak truthfully. Timmy just spoke about his running back woes. How do you feel about this trade? All right, I offered him T.Y. Hilton and Carryon Johnson for Devonta Adams. Uh, I would want someone better than Carryon Johnson. You're just a Carryon Johnson hater. I mean, you have better players. If you want Devonta Adams, give him Hilton and Chubb. That's a fair trade. Ooh, now we're talking. <laughs> I should have asked this question. I should hire him. <laughs> <laughs> Cohen and Hilton is a more fair trade without Yo, going chill with that. Chill, 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 chill. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's talk about the pass catching options in with the Broncos. Emmanuel Sanders, uh, another monster game, six for 102 and a touchdown. Also threw a touchdown. 
Um, so he got you four points just for free off that. Uh, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is the guy that you're starting every week at this point, high-end uh, wide receiver, too. Let's talk about Demarius Thomas. Demarius Let me hop Th in a second, though. I think that Emmanuel Sanders could disappoint. Okay, interesting. Go ahead. Kansas City, actually. Actually, I'll touch on DT and Sutton as well. Kansas City has allowed one passing touch, one touchdown to a receiver in the past five weeks. So they've been better on the low, or they just haven't been giving up to receivers. So it's not necessarily as great a matchup as you might think. Uh, DT is very touchdown dependent, so I wouldn't trust him as more than a low-end flex. Same goes for Sutton, even lower end. And then Emmanuel Sanders has the toughest matchup against Kyle Fuller in the slot, and... Emmanuel Sanders struggled the last time they played this season against Fowler in the slot. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's a disappointing game for all of the Broncos receivers. I'm, I'm actually with Jason here. I don't like the Broncos receivers as much as you'd expect. It's a deceiving matchup here. I do think Emmanuel Sanders is a high-end wide receiver too, just volume and efficiency-wise. But I don't like DT, and I don't like taking the chance on Sutton this week either. So... Let's so that we'll put this game to rest. Let's not talk about this game, but I do want to ask you guys a rest of the season question for the Broncos. If Demarius Thomas ends up getting traded, now there are rumors about it, and he has said, and the team has said that there he's not going anywhere. He's a Bronco. This is how it's going to be. But he's going into next season. He has fourteen million dollar cap hit. He's going to be thirty two years old. Odds are they cut him. So if they want to get something back, this is the time. If they end up trading Demarius Thomas, where does Cortland Sutton? land uh, on your wide receiver spectrum? Right. I think awesome. that if, if Sutton is going to get the work, the, Sutton and DT could com combined are a solid wide receiver, but they're just separate, obviously. They're two separate human beings. So if trading DT means that Corlin Sutton gets the work of both of them combined, then he could definitely be a wide receiver three. Yeah, uh, Corlin Sutton is a good speculative ad, but not someone that I love. Yeah, if he's free out there in the waiver wire right now, I would say if you have a spot, pick him up, stash him, see what happens. The trade deadline is coming around, and Demarius Thomas seems to be a really uh, a big time. Yeah, so it seems to be one. All right, uh, let's move on to the Chiefs then. Man, it's going to be the exact opposite question of the Broncos. Is there any Chiefs that you don't want to start? Like Patrick Mahomes is an auto start. You must start him. He's going to heal. He'll have a good game. And then you have Kareem Hunt, who in the beginning of the year wasn't getting much action. And then all of a sudden, 15 for 86 and a touchdown on the ground. Five for 55 and two touchdowns via the air. Kareem Hunt absolutely murdering the game in the last few weeks. Uh, so you're starting him, obviously. Um, I, I, you know what? Let me ask you guys this. Is there anyone on this team that you're not starting and excited about? I mean, simply enough... Start your Chiefs, like you said. That's basically all you really have to say about the Chiefs at this point. Uh, Sammy Watkins, as always, we're not Sammy Watkins believers. He, he's he been okay, but in that offense, he has to be a letdown for whoever drafted him. Because if you saw Patrick Mahomes' numbers at this point in the season, prior to the season, then saw Sammy Watkins' numbers, averaging like, what, 40, 50 yards a game and one touchdown on the season, you'd be like, hot damn, how's that even possible? So I mean, he has been uh he's been like the Lamar Miller of wide receivers, where he's been a consistent wide receiver three. That's a really good analogy. I try my best. So yeah, I mean, but I'm not super excited about playing him for that reason. But 
I mean, yeah, he's a, he should be a solid wide receiver three this week. So start all these guys with confidence. Here's a question that I'm going to ask you those for the rest of the season then. Is it time to start rostering handcuffs? Like if you're a Kareem Hunt owner, are you, Spe- are you Spencer Ware owners as well? See, this is when it comes to this, everyone, it's like a popular thing that fantasy people do at this point of the year. Go grab your handcuffs now. I'm not one of those guys because, because you – what I – like, for instance, I have a very good team. My worst player is probably, say, Aaron Jones. Am I going to drop Aaron Jones for John Kelly or Malcolm Brown? No, because Aaron Jones has a chance to be good too, and John Kelly is absolutely useless unless Todd Gurley gets hurt. So I, I'm not really a be-safe type of guy. I like just going after the guys with the biggest upside. So, what, I mean, what about if you don't have a six-in-one team, though? I mean, if you have a trash team with trash players, then, then sure. But but if you have a trash team with trash players and you want to take shots on people with upside, then you can start. Yeah, exactly. Unless it gets to, like, week 11 and you're 10-1 and one and you, you some, like, say Aaron Jones is still stuck in this committee, then I guess, sure. But until then, I'm not, I'm not doing it. Jason, what, what's your feeling on that? I'm here with Michael as well. As you guys know also, I'm a very big trade-your-depth guy. And I think that having a strong bench can help you in many ways. And I'm not giving up a bench spot for someone that's most likely going to be a piece of trash on the end of the team. Do you know what's funny? I just picked up Spencer Ware. And it's mostly because I had a burner spot. If you have a burner spot and you want to fill that burner spot with a backup running back, I don't have a problem with it. But I'd like... I'd rather go spend it on, like, Jakeem Grant, who, if he's able to slot into Albert Wilson role, could be interesting. All right, let's go over to the to the uh, next game, the Browns and the Steelers. Uh, let's start with the Browns. Guys, this, first of all, I just want to say that the, 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 the Steelers have not allowed the Browns to score over 16 points in a game since 2013. Now, I understand that that is a whole different regime, but you guys got to understand, or wh- whoever's listening out there got to understand that Steelers-Browns games are not like your regular old games. These two teams hate each other. They play each other very rough. Todd Haley is going to want some revenge. Although I know Hugh Jackson, like like Ben Roethlisberger said, he probably wasn't um, he probably wasn't uh, too excited about that. Um, so let's move over to the Browns then. The Browns, Baker Mayfield, 215 and two touchdowns. Um, Against the Steelers team that has been susceptible to giving up points, is Baker Mayfield in the conversation for a streamable play? Uh, yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh has allowed the fourth most um, fantasy points per game to quarterback, so Mayfield is a fine streaming option if you're a quarterback needy. Uh, I don't love him this week just because there are a lot of other better options, in my opinion. But for some reason, it seems to be a trend that people – just are starting to roster two quarterbacks, so waiver wires suck, which boggles my mind because there's no reason to own two quarterbacks on your team. But yeah, I think this is a fine game for Mayfield. It's I don't like the fact that Pittsburgh is at home for the Browns' offensive players, but it'll be it'll be uh, it, it's okay. I think the more interesting play here is Nick Chubb. We have to he has to be started if you own him. He's going to be the work down. The workhorse back. But like we saw with Carlos Hyde, he can have this 
disappointing games if he doesn't score a touchdown. And the Steelers are allowing 87 total yards, rushing and receiving, to running backs per game. That's the lowest in the league. So this could be a game where Nick Chubb has 20 carries, 58 yards, no touchdowns. Agreed. I'm not super high on Chubb this week because the Steelers are – they're basically as stingy against the run as they are bad against the pass. Uh, let's go over to the passing options. Uh, Jarvis Landry had himself a nice game, but then most of his damage uh, – well, not well, some of his damage in the overtime, uh, 10 for 97 and a touchdown. Uh, Joe Hayden has been absolutely ridiculous this year. Uh, everyone wants to write him off every single year, and every single year he comes back and he shuts down number one receivers. Uh, he'll be matched up on the outside with Jarvis Landry. I'm trying to stay away from Jarvis Landry if I can. Now, if you have Jarvis Landry, he's probably your wide receiver two, or if you drafted incorrectly, your wide receiver one. So it's hard to stay away from him. Well, but if, Tim, I, if I can, I'm staying away. Tim, you can say that Joe Hayden has been good, fine, average, whatever after trying to be written off every year. But don't tell me that he goes out and locks down number one receivers week in, week he out. He locks down number one receivers. I I, I, yeah, I, I read it. I saw a stat today that I, I can't – I wish I would have had it in front of me. But when number one wide receivers face Joe Hayden, he has he's – hold, he's held him to less than 60 yards. You know how I feel about that stat? Start Jarvis Landry. He's a strong <laughs> He sees too many targets from a good quarterback to be worried about him. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Jason's side here, too. Uh, I'm starting Jarvis Landry if I have him. He gets a ton of targets. He was building on his report in Mayfield last week, and I'm just I'm rolling with him if I own him. I think this is a another blow-up matchup type game for David Njoku, who the Steelers routinely get torched by tight ends. So I think Njoku is an amazing tight end play this week. One of my favorite tight end plays as well this week. He's basically an amazing player every week at this point. Especially at a tight end position where you hear me say this on the waiver wave every week. Cheap plug, youtube.com slash veterans minimum. The waiver wave every Tuesday at 11 a.m. for your waiver pickups. Um, Yeah, he's – what was I going to talk about? David Ajoku? Love David Ajoku. Let's talk about a guy who I – Michael, your guy. Put it on mute when you move around, will you? Uh, Antonio Callaway, one reception for 14 yards. Uh, the last three weeks, I've wanted to start him so bad. Can't do it. Nope. Yeah. You get, just drop Callaway if you have him, in my opinion. I, I was telling Jason that he's not going to really. He, he, he was basically the Zay Jones of receivers this year. He was getting the targets and was just ridiculously, awfully not doing anything with the targets. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to say he should be on a roster. Uh, let's move. Uh, Duke Johnson. Let's talk about Duke Johnson. Hey, can you drop him? Yeah. What do you have? Seven touches last week when you finally thought that his work was going to go up. So I wouldn't. Five. I mean, I wouldn't drop him just yet, but I wouldn't be excited. I'm, I'm, I'm dropping. See how involved he'd be. It. If he's not involved this game, then come on. Because, like, the Steelers are such a pass-funnel offense, and Duke's obviously the pass-catching back where he should be involved. But Hugh Jackson is also a terrible coach, so. True. You know what? Let me not – hold on. I said I'd drop him. Let me not steer the people wrong. You want a running back. Like, you need a running backs. You should not drop a running back unless you're picking up another running back. But if I had the luxury, I would drop 
I would drop him. Let's go over to the Steelers. Um, the Steelers have been struggling against the Browns the last couple of years, and this year their defense is at its best. Ben Roethlisberger at home, though, is an absolute beast. Um, James Conner looks like he's going to be the starter again after Le'Veon Bell did not report to practice uh, as of today, October 24th, so definitely not playing next week. Uh, what do you think about uh, Ben Roethlisberger and James Conner as that one-two punch against the I need to go on a rant real quick because I'm so tired of scrolling through Twitter and seeing people say, I just traded James Conner for Aaron Jones. How did I do? And shit like that. Like, you got scraped. Scraped <laughs> is a nice turn. You got, you are like the piece of gum on the bottom of the shoe that was scraped on the floor 98 times. I don't understand people that are trying to trade James Conner at the moment. You have a high-end running back one. You have a top five running back. And no one is going to give you what he's worth. So stop trying to trade him for nothing when Le'Veon Bell is a non-existent human being right now. I don't understand it. It's about to be week – it's week eight, and Le'Veon Bell hasn't even reported to practice. James Conner is someone you want to own. Jason, tell him how you really feel, will you? It, it, it boggles my mind because then I also see people giving advice to trade James Conner for Aaron Jones. and Because Aaron Jones might not even have it as many points for the rest of the season as James Conner is going to have in the next two. Yeah, I'm with Jason on this one. I, I own James Conner in a couple leagues, and my response to all trade offers for him is you're not going to give me what he's worth, so you might as well not offer me a trade. Like my brother Johnny, if you remember the OG back in the beginning of Brodo, offered me, like, offer me Alex <laughs> Collins for him a couple weeks back. I'm like, dude, like, come on. So, things like that. So, yeah. And now back to this week. James Conner is an absolute blow-up matchup as well this week. Yes. Again. The Browns are giving up the fifth most rushing yards per game. I think they have an underrated pass defense. Uh, Conner is involved. He's com coming off a bye, and he should be fresher than ever. He's involved in the passing game. I mean, I think it's a Conner game all the way again this week. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown are every week starts. You don't got to worry about them. I want to talk to you guys about Vance McDonald. Uh, Vance McDonald is, is more and more involved in the offense uh, every single week. How do you guys feel about Vance McDonald this week? I mean, every time it feels like we're saying he's more and more involved, Jesse James comes back into the equation. So I, it's hard to finally commit to Vance McDonald. But we still have him in the back and tight end one range because he's been so good when given chances. Michael? Uh, yeah, I have him as a low-end tight end one this week. If he gets the work, he should be able to produce. But as Jason said, it's tough. and It's not like it's a bad matchup against the Browns. It's a decent matchup. They've been, they haven't been great at stopping tight end this year. So if you have him and you want to throw him out, roll him out there, I won't complain about it. The Browns are giving up 10 points to the running back. I want to give you a scenario that I am doing. Like I told you guys, I Sony Michelle and Matt Breida went down for me last week, so I got to get creative. And I'm going to start uh, C.J. Uzuma and Vance McDonald this week. I See, that's, about that. that's gross. That's really gross. You need to make a trade, my man. Yeah, come get Hilton and carry on Johnson from me, bro. It's nah, nah, right nah. here. Jason, yo, you got to talk to my agent. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to our next game. The Seahawks at the Lions. Let's start with the Seahawks. Uh, Russell Wilson's not running anymore. 
last game, he kind of got back in the swing of things, six rushes for 20 yards. But uh, what's his value like uh, against a Lions team that just acquired Snacks Harrison? We'll talk about that in just a second. But what's his value like when uh, when he's not running, like, particularly this week and rest of the season? When he's not running, it's just not that high. It's back-end quarterback one territory. So I, th- I have him at quarterback 11. I think that even if he doesn't run, he's been very efficient with his passes. He's only throwing around 20-something passes per game as Seattle has gone to kind of run first. But he's still throwing touchdowns or not. So only Patrick Mahomes has more touchdowns per attempt than Russell Wilson. So even though his volume has been low, he's been making up for it. So I think that quarterback 11 is where he belongs. He doesn't have that ceiling when he was running. Because when he was running, he could be quarterback 11. And then he runs the ball and jumps up to quarterback 3. So that's where I'm at. Uh, Yeah, I think Russell Wilson fits somewhere in low-end QB1, high-end QB2 territory. The Lions aren't a super difficult matchup on paper. so And they're coming off by... But the thing is about Russell Wilson, the reason I don't love him this week, Seattle is, I mean, excuse me, Detroit is getting torched on the ground. It's given up, they've given up 100 or more rushing yards to three of the six running backs this year that have 10 carries or more. So once you reach 10 carries, you're basically uh, RB2 just from that point forward. So I prefer, I think Chris Carson is in for a huge game. I have him as my running back. 15 this week. I think Chris Carson is a great You player. have him much higher than me. I just don't understand. Right when you think it's his job, he goes down, you think it's Mike Davis's job, then you think they're going to split it, and then he takes over, and Mike Davis doesn't do anything. And, let's and, not forget about, yeah. and then Rashad Penny <coughs> comes in and gets like 10 carries. So I'm just tired of that. I, I think that banking on a Seattle running back to give you the 15th best production at the position is – Fool's goal. I think that it's not a good idea. I have him at 25. I think that you can play him, and he could have a good game, but he could also concede mad, uh, I was going to say mad touches. He could also concede a lot of touches. <laughs> New York, New York. Concede OD touches. I, I must... I must that ass, he can concede a lot of touches. <laughs> You're... So, I, I, do, I, I do have... I, we were missed if I didn't say, though. Snacks Harrison... Another trade from the Giants. He's PFS fifth best run blocker. He's gonna go in and he's gonna start right away for the Lions. It's not like he has to learn a playbook, right? He's not gonna learn. He's not. He's gonna play that kind of Allen Branch role for Matt Patricia, who he played in New England. I I, I don't think you could take any of the stats of the Lions against the run and use them because I think Snags Harrison is that much of a difference maker against the run. I mean, he got traded to the team today, dude. He's gonna. What is he gonna do? Learn the yeah, playbook. He's gonna play eat up, eat up three linemen. Adding yeah, he one. He needs to learn Spider Two Odd Banana. He just needs to be there giantly and tackle people. Just hit, hit someone and stand there. Yeah, man. That's but it's not job. like it's not like he's just gonna automatically make Detroit a top ten rush defense. I I wouldn't say top ten, but also not bottom ten. And if you're talking about a three headed running back committee against the team that just got the fifth best run blocker in the league. There needs to be some kind of hesitance. All right, so I'll, I'll bet you guys Chris Carson is a top 20 running back. I will take that bet. I'll take that, yes. I will, I will so take that bet. Easy money, down, my dog. Where do you – isn't he – down. I'm, I'm he down to make a top 24 if you guys are that confident. Head, uh, get out of here. That's like 20. 
Don't you have him as your 16th running back? Like, like that's not even that 15, much wiggle 15. that you're giving yourself. Because I'm confident. All right. Uh, Doug Baldwin finally found his way Doug, Doug, again. Doug, Six Doug. receptions for 91 yards in his last game. Now coming off a bye, he had a chance to heal. Um, now he's probably not going to be 100% all year, but this will probably be his healthiest game of the season. Um, how are you feeling uh, with him against uh, the Lions? Uh Darius Slay and such. is my favorite wide receiver play from Seattle this week. Me and Michael both have him at 20, so we're expecting big things right back in the wide receiver two conversation. Uh, two weeks ago, he looked the best as he had all season, and he put up good numbers. Uh, he saw a good amount of targets, even though Russell Wilson wasn't throwing too much. So his target share is high, even though his targets them, themselves weren't too high. So, And then he's not seeing Darius Slay. Darius Slay works on the outside. Darius Slay isn't someone that you need to avoid, but he's a cornerback that's good enough that it's good that Baldwin's not going to be going up against him. And now he just had the bye week to heal up even more, so I think this is a very good spot for him. Detroit, one of the least efficient uh, against the wide receiver in general, but 31st in the league in DVOA against the slot receiver. I love me some Doug Baldwin this week. Yeah, play uh, play Doug Baldwin this week. He he's gonna not go up against Darius Slay. So yeah. All right. I don't move. love Tyler Lockett. Let's move on to the next game. I mean, sorry, the next team. Uh, Detroit Lions uh, versus versus the Seahawks. As the twins text me on the side, so I get a little distracted. Um, let's see. Lions. Matt Stafford eight. For 22 for 217 and two touchdowns last week. Uh, how do you feel about him this week? Don't love Matt Stafford. Uh, the Seattle pass defense has actually been really good this year. They've only allowed 206 passing yards a game and are at home. So there's that. Uh, I'm not I'm not loving it. And they're coming off a bye. So I don't like Matt Stafford as a top 12 QB. I think he's outside of that this week. I have him as my QB 14. And for the wide receivers, I'm, I don't think super highly of Marvin Jones as usual. I actually have him outside my top 36. And uh, I have Galladay and Tate as wide receiver twos. Yeah, I'm going to agree here. Um, I mean, Marvin Jones is... Season high is four catches, so it's really hard to trust him as more than a touchdown-dependent flex play. Maybe a wide receiver three with the bye week crunch a little bit. But, I mean, I think this is a good matchup for Galladay and Tate. Their volume has gone down with Carrion Johnson's play going up and playing well, but I think that they're going to go back to their old style this game. A reason why I'm not as high on Carrion Johnson as Michael is Seattle has only allowed one running back to pass 80 yards this season. And Carryon Johnson is not someone who scores goal line touchdowns. So this isn't a great matchup for Carryon Johnson, which might make it a good matchup for Galladay and Tate. That's why I like them this week, despite their lack of volume the last few weeks. See, I disagree with you completely, Carryon Johnson, this week. He's coming off an explosion of a game. Uh, 19 rushes, 150 yards, most ever the amount of carries he received last week. And I don't see why he outcarried Blunt by almost double. I don't I'm not see saying why. That they're going to go away from him. I'm saying that Seattle's run defense is really good. I mean, they're – And he's not going to score a touchdown. Same shit with Christian McCaffrey that I was arguing. Their but... feelings are limited. 
on the season, he's averaging six and a half yards per carry. He. I'm not he's arguing getting, that he's not good. Hard. I'm arguing that the matchup isn't good. And that yeah, I don't. I don't agree. Theo Riddick is likely to be out again. I I like Carryon Johnson a lot this week. I like I like Carryon, but he is he's touchdown. He unless you expect him to get 158 yards every week, he's touchdown dependent. Yeah, I have him as running back 18, and that's because of some bye weeks probably. All right, uh, let's move on to our next game and our last game of the first episode: Buccaneers at Bengals. Um, Let's start with the Buccaneers. Jameis Winston, 20 incompletions last game. Did not look good. 365 yards and two interceptions. Um, this week, he faces a Bengals team that has not been good against the pass. I like playing the Bucs in this game. You like Winston, you mean? I like just Bucks in general, Winston. Oh, I agree. I think that Jameis Winston has allowed 300... Has he has over 360 yards in the last two weeks, and Cincinnati is allowing 310 passing yards per game. So basically, Jameis Winston is guaranteed at least 300 passing yards, which is 12 points. One touchdown gets him up to 16. He's allowed. He's added 14 and a half points on the ground over the last two weeks. So Winston is someone that I very much like. I uh, for some reason he was a free agent in one of our leagues. So I dropped Baker Mayfield for him to start. And then if you look around, Mike Evans had 11 targets last game. So even though he, had, he hasn't been good, as good without Fitz, he's still someone to watch. Djax has 10 points in both games with Winston. That was buoyed by a rushing touchdown. But again, when you're facing a defense that allows this many passing yards and a quarterback that throws this much, especially with Peyton Barber injured right now, Ronald Jones hasn't been that, has never really been good just on the eye test, your kids Rogers is still mixing in there. So Djax, Godwin, Evans, all in play this week. Yeah, guys, uh, the Buccaneers. OJ Howard as well. Yeah, Jameis Winston is an easy top 10 quarterback for me. The Bucks have 2,261 passing yards on the year. That's more than the Chiefs, Rams, and all most other teams. And they've played in one less game. So, they're just throwing the ball everywhere. And the Bengals are giving up over 300 passing yards a game. So, Evans, I like his wide receiver one. Djax is wide receiver two. And Godwin is wide receiver three. And Howard is a tight end one. I'm, I'm throwing all of them out there. Yeah, I agree with Michael. I mean, I kind of said the same thing, but whatever. <laughs> all right. Uh, guys, if you want to know how bad Andy Dalton is, listen to this. In his career, at night... He is 6-14. and 14. His completion percentage, it, it, and just to put that in a, in a vacuum, in the early games, he's 52-28 and 28 in his career. 52-28, and 28, 6-14 and 14 in late games. Uh, his completion percentage drops by 5%. His quarterback rating drops by 10. His yards per attempt drop by a yard and a half. He is completely terrible at prime time. Luckily for him, he's playing the worst defense in NFL history. In the afternoon, I think Andy Dalton is startable, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, C.J. Uzuma. I think they're all wide receiver one, running back one. Running back one for Joe Mixon and tight end one for C.J. Uzuma and quarterback one for Dalton this week. So I like them all except for Uzuma. He's just not that involved in the passing game. So super touchdown dependent. But I like Green. I like Boyd. I love Mixon. 
and definitely firing up all those guys against Tampa. So I'm just going to say, first of all, Andy Dalton has had so many good matchups. He only put up 14. Miami isn't a great matchup, but it's a not a terrible one, 14 points. Pittsburgh, 17. Kansas City, 9. Uh, he's put up over 18 points twice this season. So what I'm saying is he's not a slam dunk player. I think he's a last gasp streamer. If he doesn't perform right now, then he should be dropped from all teams and never be used again. He's done nothing to earn the trust of me so far this season. And if we're looking at his pieces, Joe Mixon is someone that I'm not too high on this week either. I have him as a running back two instead of running back one. If you look at what he's done recently, in two of the last three games, he doesn't have more than three catches. So what he had going for him as a dual threat every down back Turns out that he's not really involved in the passing game. And just as a pure runner, he's not that good. Uh, I mean, I'm down to make a bet that Joe Mixon is a top 12 running back, too, because I don't agree with that. I mean, I so, have him at 12. All right. So What are you doing? Tell all this shit, and then you say 12. Well, yeah, I have him as a high. In- There's bye weeks. <laughs> he still gets the volume. I just wouldn't be surprised if he disappoints. Because 12 is about as low as you're going to see him around the industry. Uh, Jason, that'll do it. Michael, that'll do it. Where can they find you guys on social media? Mike underscore Patrop, uh, basically everywhere. So follow me there. At Jason Patrop. And you can find me at Tim Patrop on all social media outlets, but only if you're feeling real, real Real frisky. BrotoFantasy.com is the website for every episode. But the only rankings. If you like winning. But only if you like winning. That's right. BrotoFantasy.com, y'all. Rankings are out. Check it out. And, uh, of course, at BrotoFantasy on Twitter. Also, BrotoFantasy Instagram coming at you very soon. Oh, yeah. So get ready for that. Uh, about to make some moves. We have some exciting developments in the pipeline. pipeline. That's all I can say about that but when i say exciting developments i mean it so stay tuned to the broto fantasy podcast as we continue to give you the best fantasy advice out here bar none brotofantasy.com but only if you like winning we'll see you next time thanks